Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. This is episode 120 of our podcast. I'm Kyle Krieger, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by Whitney Ramirez. Whitney, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Thank I'm you for good. having me. We were, we were just talking. Um, someday, if this video ever gets to the internet, you'll see that in this, like every time we've done podcasts the last two weeks, I've had this exact same thing on, which is like a stocking <laughs> hat and a sweatshirt. Um, right. Because it's chilly in Wisconsin. It's a little bit chilly. Um, yeah, here I am sweating in San Diego, so um, you're always welcome to come to the West Coast. We, we welcome you with open arms. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, lived, I lived in Houston eight years, so I, I got a little taste of what winters are like in the warmer climates. But uh, Let's yeah. use winter loosely when you winter. talk about in California. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, I, I came – I had not – I just moved – uh, in, in July of 2017, I moved back to Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. Cause I have two small, I have two small nephews. They're now one and three. Oh, so, so, so they're fun. But the, the first winter we had, the snow came in November and didn't leave until May. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And then, not. and then we were, uh, my girlfriend and I were at a wedding, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, which is about three hours away. And then we got snow on our way home on Sunday. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say I've never lived in snow. Um, I played college lacrosse and we had a game in New York and I didn't really know that people like drive in snow and like we still played our sports in the snow. It was, it was mind blowing to me, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've experienced a little bit, but thankful I don't have to live in it. So. Yeah. You know, I can remember sometimes and we, we played spring golf when I was in high school and there were times where we played spring golf in snow. No, thanks. Like when it rains in San Diego, the world stops. Like, oh, practices are canceled. People don't drive. Like the world is, is over in San Diego. So um, very different life we lead. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. So to get us kicked off, would you mind kind of just telling us a little bit about your background and, then, and the story of how you became a teacher and, and what you're doing now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I teach in San Diego, California. I have been teaching for six years. Um, I went to St. Mary's College, which is in the Bay Area. Go Gales. And I actually went there to play lacrosse. I did not go there to become a teacher. I actually didn't even think about becoming a teacher until after I graduated. Um, I was a communication major. I really wanted to be a broadcasting journalist. Um, Clearly not very camera shy. Here we are talking on the um, Mm -hmm. FaceTime. But I, it was so competitive and I just wasn't really willing to compete. And somehow I went to mass one day and the, the homily was about, are you driven or are you being led by the Holy Spirit? And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, let me, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. And somehow uh, St. Mary's, where I did my undergrad, had an amazing credential program. Where you could get your master's and your credential in a year and a half. And it just honestly kind of fell in my lap. And here I am. And it's one of those things that when I started doing it, when I started learning about education, I was like, wow, this is for me. This is what I was made to do. So um, I got my multiple subject credential and my master's of arts and teaching. And I actually just finished a second master's in curriculum and instruction this June. So trying to, yeah, stay up with the education. So (laughs) lifelong learner. So from, you know, your experience, what do you think the the value is of a great teacher? Because the one thing we want to do with our podcast is to make sure that we're really like shining a light on the positive and, and, you know, the, the value that our profession has. So what do you think 
you know, is the value of a really great teacher? You know, honestly, I think the value of a great teacher is it's important because you want your students to love learning no matter what grade you teach whether it's kindergarten or high school school doesn't really go away I mean it's always going to be there no matter if you like it or not and so if we can develop that passion and that love of learning even if it's learning something small or learning something big um, our students are going to be successful and I just think that if you can give your students the power to love what they do and love um, learning and helping one another, then you're doing your job. I think that's just so important. Nice, that's a great answer, that's a great answer. So we were talking a little bit, you know, through email and, and through messaging that you teach in a combination classroom and, and I had never heard that that was a thing. So could you explain what a combination classroom is and you know, how you have to approach, when, from what I understand is teaching kids that are two different grades. It is, it is. So currently I have a half first, half second grade class. So I have 13 first graders and 13 second graders. And essentially I'm teaching two grades at the same time. Um, it's a lot of planning, a lot of organization, but this is my second year doing it. So I kind of feel like I'm in a groove. Um, the reason combo classes are made are because there's not enough room to make one whole second grade class and there's not enough students to make one whole first grade class. So they kind of take both those classes and make it into one. Um, from my experience, I feel like the first and second grade is the best age to have a combo because the standards are so similar. We do common core in California and um, the standards are really aligned. Second grade just kind of digs deeper into those bigger concepts. Um, so my students have been very successful. It is nerve wracking though because I'm like, okay, I need to make sure my first graders are ready for second. My second graders are ready for third, but um, it's been, I think they help each other and they push each other um, and it's been a successful grade for me to teach. So I've liked it. So are you teaching this, like, are you teaching two different lessons to the first and the second graders or is it more of like you teach one lesson and then you have to change little bits for the first and the second graders? Yeah, so for um, language arts, I do small groups. I do centers. So um, they go to three centers a day for 15 minutes, and I get to read. I have my center where I read, and then the other work at their other centers are differentiated based on their grade. Um, so they're getting whether whatever grammar, writing, reading standards that they need to hit, that's what they're working on. Um, for writing, I like to teach a whole class. Um, but I asked second graders, okay, second graders, you need to write eight sentences. First graders, you need to write five, kind of giving them different limitations. And math is a whole different ball of wax. Um, on, math, on Mondays, we have mini lesson Monday, where I teach um, a mini lesson to first grade and my second graders on the iPads. And I teach, um, then they switch and second grade goes on goes to the carpet with me for a lesson and first graders go on the iPads and then the rest of the week we do centers based on that lesson that I taught. So I really try to make sure I'm hitting the grade level standards and what they need to know and then also making it engaging and fun at the same time. So yeah. I'm interested in maturity is not the word I want to use but I guess in their behavior their mannerisms the way they handle themselves are the first graders a lot different from the second graders? You know, at the beginning of the year, they are because they're coming from kindergarten. You know, they're like, hey, I'm, I'm in first grade. But um, 
I think there's a lot of thought going into the placement of who's placed into the combination class because they know it's going to be a lot of independent work. You need to work well with others. You need to be able to um, sit and listen. So obviously I don't, I don't think I get privilege for students, but I do think that they, there's a lot of thought when my class is made. Um, so we can work together successfully and my students can't be successful if that makes sense. So, you know, talking about student engagement, do you have, do you have to engage the first and the second graders differently? I mean, is it a lot different with the way you try to engage them? Cause I'm, I'm trained in middle school, high school. So like <laughs> elementary is very foreign to me. So I'm trying to learn through my elementary friends what <laughs> that life is like. Yeah, I mean, I've taught a lot of grades. I've taught fourth grade, third grade. I've been an intervention specialist, and now I'm teaching the one-two combo. And I think that engagement needs to be the priority for each grade level, whether you know, you're standing on the table teaching or you're giving them a hands-on activity. I mean, if students are engaged and want to be at school, they're going to learn. And if your students aren't happy and they're not loving the environment they're in, then they're not going to learn. And I think mm. if we can, um, like I said before, help our students love learning and love being at school, like there you go, our job, then they're open and ready to learn. Um, so I think in terms of my engagement, I use a lot of songs. I use a lot of chants. I tend to stand on a desk a day or two and, and uh, <laughs> teach lessons. I have a golden microphone that I break out every so often, um, but we do a lot of hand motions, just a lot of things that I think for both first and second graders, that's going to stick with them and they're going to remember. Um, so yeah, a lot of engagement. <laughs> is, is there a lot of opportunity for the first and second graders to socialize between each other or are they more just kind of the second graders basically stay with the second graders and the first graders stay with the first graders? No, not at all. In my class, we're a community, we're a family. And although the work they're doing might be differentiated, they're all treated the same and we're all mingling. Um, although first graders go to lunch with the first grade and second grades go to lunch with second grade, just like at any other school, um, they are treated like equals in my class because, you know, this is their room, this is their place, and it's um, where they deserve to feel safe and learn, and they don't need to be treated like, oh, you're a first grader, so you can only do this, or you're a second grader, you can only do that. Um, they all have equal opportunity for learning. Yeah, I guess I was just interested because in my imagination, I would, I would just assume that, like, the second graders would gravitate towards the second graders and the first to the first, and there would kind of just be this hierarchy of the first graders just being in awe of the second graders, but maybe it's not that way. No, and I think that at the beginning of the school year, it might be easy for them to feel that way. But as you know, I, I do a lot of responsive classroom, I do morning meeting, and I just really try to enforce that point of community, um, no matter what grade you are, because you're not always going to be with people your age at your work. You're not always going to be with people your age when you go to college. So um, it's important to that no matter the age, it shouldn't be looked at differently. And we're, we're all a class. We all help each other. We all support each other. Um, so I really try to stress that in my room. So we were also talking a little bit prior to this, um, that you've been in a bunch of schools and a, and a bunch of placements. Um, yeah. And it's kind of because you happen to be kind of newer to the profession and low on the totem pole. And I think that's an experience that a lot of teachers have. So I'm kind of wondering what that experience was like and if you have any advice for teachers who are going through that on how to, you know, cope because we know that con continuity is one of the best things kids can have and teachers can have is staying in positions. But 
we also know that it's very common that teachers get moved around, especially, you know, like in a big city, like when I started in Houston, they put the year after I came, they put on a hiring freeze and there was a chance that I was going to get moved to a different school. I never, I never wound up getting moved to a different school, um, involuntarily, but uh, I'm interested in what that experience was like for you. Yeah, I mean, I have taught in both um, private schools and public schools. Um, I think that I'm lucky to have had that experience because I've gotten to experience a lot of different demographics, a lot of different parents, a lot of different parenting styles. And I am not a parent, so it's nice for me to learn and kind of get to know um, philosophies behind different parents and, and different demographics. And I think that being, unfortunately, being moved around so much, although it's not continuity for me. I can only, you know, do my job and do it the best I can and hope that I'm making a difference in these kids. Um, it, you know, it's a bummer, like you mentioned, getting the possibility of like, oh, I could be moving, I could not be moving. And fortunately this year I have gained tenure, so that's awesome for me. Um, but I know a lot of newer teachers, you struggle for about three or four years before you're like, oh, is this my classroom? Is this my home? Is this school what's best for me? And I think all that moving around in schools has really taught me there is no perfect school. There is no perfect principal. There are so many different styles. And you might think, oh, grass is greener on the other side. That school's awesome. That school gets all the new stuff or the school's old or whatever. But I think that no matter your experience, it's going to be what you make it. And um, I think it's honestly made me a better teacher because I've had to move so, so often and because I've been like, okay, this is the grade you're teaching. See ya. Um, so it's made me more flexible and more organized and, and I think just more passionate because I need to turn the passion on in myself. You know, these principals are like, here you go. Come on in. They're not doing it for me. So uh, it's up to me. So, so as tricky as it's been, it's been great. So I, I guess I'm kind of intrigued as to how your kind of teaching team, like the people you collaborate with, have you kept in touch with some of those people you taught with earlier? And then how, how have you um, worked to build new relationships with colleagues? Cause I think that's one of the struggles I think new teachers go through. And I know I went through it is, you know, trying to understand, like you said, the dynamics and the culture of a school, cause every school is different. Um, every school is different. And, and I was very fortunate that both schools I taught at in Texas and where I taught here in Wisconsin, I, I, I got lucky to get with some really good people that made it easier. They kind of walked me through the ropes because I was never taught about that in my college uh, or in my like teacher preparedness program, like about the dynamics of schools and, and that. So I'm interested to hear how you've, how you built those kind of collegial um, relationships. <laughs> well, I think, it's interesting you say that because in, in your in your credential classes and you know, no matter what level of education you have, um, you're always going to have those teachers that are cranky. You're always going to have those teachers that are set in their ways. You're always going to have those teachers that are just different than you. And I, I think that I have worked with a lot of different teams with a lot of different teaching styles. And I think the most important thing that I advice that I could give to a teacher in my position is put yourself out there. Go to the staff meetings, go to the staff parties, go to the happy hour, go to things because even though you're maybe only there for a year, that might be, those might be your people. And just because you're not teaching at their school, it doesn't mean that you can't have professional relationships 
relationships with them. Um, I think there's a school I was only at for a year and I still go to their Christmas party and I still go to their end of the year party because that staff got me and they loved me and they supported me. And when I had to go, it was sad, but it was what was best for me and in my career. And I think, um, continuing those relationships, just like we would with our friends or our students, we need to do that with our teaching peers because as much as I love my husband and my family, they just, they don't get it. Teaching is a profession where unless you've done it, you just don't get it. And I don't, I don't mean that negatively, but right. you need to have those people in your corner. And I think that's one thing that I love about um, the Instagram community too, mm-hmm. is I'm able to build relationships with those people that, you know, I, they might not know me on a personal level, but I can talk to them about teaching and they hear my heart and they know, Oh girl, I got you. Let me support you. Let me, let me listen to you. Let me be there for you. And, um, some, that was actually the reason I started my teaching Instagram account was because I was on a team that really wasn't supportive and really didn't get me and didn't want to share with me. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to find this outlet somewhere else because I need professional support too. Even if I'm young or unexperienced, I still deserve that support from my peers. So. Well, when we talked to, um, you know, it was funny cause I was looking back through your pictures. You, you were at teach your heart out Vegas, weren't you? I was, I was. See, and I was looking back through it and how we were, Wilkie and I were there too. And, and we must, you were obviously probably in the elementary kind of track of sessions. Yeah, I, did. I, I did go to the Monica session and I'm pretty sure I remember cause she made some kind of joke about you that I won't say on this podcast. But oh. <laughs> I was there and, um, yeah, that was a great yeah. session. Well, you know, and the funny part was that was not even planned. I'm we, sure it wasn't. That she was and I knew, we knew each other because she was on our <laughs> podcast. And and afterwards, she came up to me. She was like, was that okay that I kind of like put you on the spot there? And I kind of – and I was like, yeah, it's fine, you know. So she came back around later to like make sure that I was okay. Oh, so and then fun. went She's off and told – and went off and told all the presenters. So I had like 10 people come up to me and tease me about it. But oh, I mean, she got me. If you got it, flaunt it. It's fine. You it's, know? Oh, she's, so good. <laughs> she's so funny. But yeah, right. you know, so what, you know, going to those, it, I know it looks, and I've been to one. And I know to the outside people who haven't been there, it looks fun and it looks like everybody's high energy. But what do you think really is, you know, to, to your craft, BI, besides just the, like the motivation, the camaraderie, what do you think the importance is of going to those places and really learning to improve your craft? I mean, I have been to two Get Your Teach Ons, one Teach Your Heart Out, one Happy Go Teach. And... I think that you need to remind yourself that you're not done learning and you're not done growing. And, you know, it's, it's obviously conferences aren't for every teacher, especially those kind of high energy conferences. They're not, maybe that's not your thing, but I think as educators, it's not fair for us to stop our education because just because we're teachers, I think our, we're expecting our students to learn and our students to grow. And we also should be learning and growing, whether it's, turning on Cartoon Network on Saturday morning and seeing what our students might be watching or picking up a professional development book, I think we need to stay in the loop just as much as we expect them to. Um, And I think, you know, not every conference is great. You might only get tidbits here and there, but as long as your heart's in it, I think it's it's worth going to. And um, especially the relationships, like you said, it's a huge part of why I attend those because I love connecting with people and 
you know, one day I'd hope to be present, presenting at a conference. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned like reading books. I, I think I grew in my teaching craft as much from reading non education books as I did um, from reading, you know, about pedagogy and that stuff. Cause you know, I think we underestimate how much our personal view of ourselves and our opinion of ourselves and how we develop ourselves. It, I can tell from experience that like at the low points in my life, my teaching was low. And at the high points in my life, my teaching was awesome. And I think you can't underestimate the correlation between that, those two things. And I think too, I feel like there's this big movement right now for teacher self-care and like really taking care of yourself because if we're not taking care of ourselves then we're not, you know, how can we take care of our students if we can't take care of ourselves? And um, I think that those conferences foster that mentality of just because you're here doesn't mean you have to do everything. And just because you're right. learning these things doesn't mean you have to do it tomorrow. But mm-hmm. here's the information that we're giving you and we're supporting you and, um, you know, do you do, do what's best for your classroom. And I think that's important too, to remember. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's the thing. And I can see, cause I'm very, I'm, I'm not type a, like, I'm not, I'm not a planner. And like it drives people in my life crazy because so many of the people I'm close to are planners. But I, I've, I know those people who are type A, like especially in teaching, they like run themselves into the ground because they have this plan and they have this list and they can't stop until everything on the list is done. And I don't remember what, I think it was a book by maybe John Gordon and I don't remember which one, but it was talking about how your, your to-do list or like your, your inbox is never going to be empty. Like no matter, especially as a teacher, no matter what, there's never going to be a time where your to-do list is done. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's always something in your classroom that you could do. There's always something you could cut out, always something you could laminate, always something you could do. And, and I think that there's just has to be a time when you shut the computer and you walk away um, mm-hmm. because it'll consume you. It'll consume right. you. For sure. Right. Right. So kind of on that vein, what, what are Wednesdays with Whitney? I'm very interested in what, what? Wednesdays with Whitney are. <laughs> um, well, like I mentioned before, um, I am a part of the Instagram community. Um, my handle is learning with crayons and I just, I was like, I don't really know how it started. Uh, I love to sing and I was doing like random karaoke's on there and I started just getting a lot of questions and a lot of you know Q&A's and I was like why don't I do a Q&A on Wednesdays because my name starts with a W and so does Wednesday um so Wednesdays with Whitney is just like a five to eight question story that I do on Wednesdays some of it's about teaching some of it's about pop culture some of it's about you know, random things, but it's fun. I have a lot of interaction. I I feel like I really get, get to know a lot of people that follow me too, mm-hmm. which I enjoy. And I try to be as real as possible on there so my followers can get to know me too. So um, it's just something fun and silly that I started, I don't know, a couple months ago, I guess, before school got out last year. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm interested. So you just do it, is it alive or do you do it on your story? It's just on my story on Wednesdays. So it always starts, has a song. Um, Wednesdays, Wednesdays with Whitney. You know, it's really, really oh my hip. God, it's amazing. I, know, I mean, it's, it's catchy. People get excited for it. Right. Uh, 
and sometimes my dog's in it. Sometimes he's hanging out with me. Nice. Um, sometimes in my classroom. So I just you know, try to keep it fresh, keep it hip. Um, but yeah, it's been <laughs> a fun part of um, being in the Instagram community for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, maybe, you know, maybe sometime we'll have to do the, the, the Instagram live. We'll, we'll do a Wednesday together. <laughs> I would love it. You're totally yeah. welcome to be a guest on Wednesdays. And Wednesdays. Yeah. You know, just trying to get out there and answer, you know, answer some questions, do some pop. I'm pretty good with pop culture references, like pop culture sometimes trivia. We talk about the bachelor. Do you talk? Sometimes? I don't watch it. I, that's one thing I refuse to watch. You can educate yourself. It's fine. Um, sometimes we talk about pitch perfect. Sometimes I do like pitch perfect. I mean, it's aka awesome. How can you not yeah. like it? I like Pitch Perfect because the first movie was good, and the second the second movie had Green Bay Packers players in it, oh, so I liked it. Which I mean, Clay Matthews, I'm about it. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we definitely definitely want to be respectful of your time. So we're going to ask you a few wrap up questions. But I, I'm I'm serious though. Let's let's either me and me and you or you and Wilkie can do a a, right. a when a Wednesdays because he's a musician as well. And he'll just, what? Yeah, he I does freestyles. He does freestyles. He does all kinds of stuff. So. <laughs> Sounds great. I can't wait. <laughs> so what is the one thing you think every student should be taught? I think that, I mean, I feel like that's a loaded question, <laughs> but I think that at the end of the day, and I tell this to my parents on back to school night, it is our job as teachers to make our students better people. Um, you know, the academics are important, the reading, the math, the science, all of that will come, but it is our job to make sure our students can share, make sure that they can be kind, make sure that they can help one another. And so I think at the end of the day, our students need to taught how to be good people because, you know, I always remember that quote, you're not always going to remember what you did, but people are always going to remember the way you made them feel. Right. Um, and I was an athlete, a college athlete. I played sports my whole life. You know, no one's going to remember how many home runs you got or how many goals I saved or whatever, but they're going to remember what kind of a teammate I was. And my teammates are still some of my best friends to this day. So I think that if we can teach our students to have that same love and respect for each other and for themselves, our world, our world is going to be in an amazing place because they're going to leave our classrooms better people than when they came in so awesome yeah and if you you know i know we talked about it but um you know if you could give one piece of advice to a teacher who's struggling with you know a lot of movement or transition in their careers what would it be don't give up you know i think this profession is really easy to doubt yourself really easy to compare yourself mm -hmm. and i think you just need to open your door, welcome in other teachers, welcome all students, welcome all parents, and just do your thing. I think the worst thing that a new teacher can do is shut their door and just be consumed by their classroom. You know, we don't learn from ourselves. We learn from right. other people. And our students, you know, your students know when you love what you do. And if we can continuously share that passion with each other and support other educators. Um, education is the face of education is going to change for sure. So, yeah. Awesome. So you mentioned a little bit earlier um, that your Instagram is learning with crayons, right? It is. It is. is there, if people want to connect with you, is there any other ways they can do that or is Instagram kind of the thing? Instagram is probably my main thing. I do have a Twitter. Um, I, it's classroom only. So you only see things that are in my classroom. Um, I believe it's Mrs. Ramirez. Um, or Miss W Ramirez TBES. So, um, it's the initials of my school, 
but Instagram is probably my main uh, social media. I don't really use Facebook or anything like that. Um, but yeah, awesome. I'd love to connect with people though. Feel free, reach out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, before I ask the final question, just want to say thanks. I was really glad we finally got to connect and I felt so bad because you, you messaged me. It, it must have been like three weeks ago and I, I messaged you back and I was, I was, I messaged you back and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was going through my messages and I was like, oh my God, I felt so bad that I had, it was like two weeks. Um, Don't even worry. We're all busy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Life's going. We got it. But, but we, it. <laughs> we really appreciate um, you coming on the podcast. So, uh, and, and for sure, we want to, we want to, we want to team up with you for a Wednesday. We All right. Well, for sure you, do that. you know, you know how to get a hold of me. So I'll be waiting. <laughs> so our, our final question for you is, you know, when it's all said and done, what do you hope your lasting legacy is? There's so many directions I could take this, but I think, as I mentioned about the way that I make people feel, I want people to just remember me for just being kind and passionate. I think that, you know, whether it's me being an athlete or me being a coach or me being a teacher, or me being a wife or a friend, you know, kindness goes so far. And I just want to be remembered as somebody that helped people and loved people and, you know, spread passion in people's lives. So I think that would be it. And then in the classroom, I think that can go a long way. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, as teachers, we're always more than just our classroom. So um, we want to be remembered for, you know, our, we want our students to remember us. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Whitney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I can't wait to uh, keep working with you in the future. Yeah, sounds great. I'm ready. Wednesdays with Whitney, it's on. <laughs>